This year, the Oldest Profession podcast is producing the Old Pro Project to celebrate the anniversary of the first sex worker-led protest in the U.S. To learn more, listen to our episode, Why January 25th Matters. Follow the hashtag Old Pro Project and go to our website, theoldestprofessionpodcast.com forward slash OPP for Old Pro Project. Welcome to the Peep Show Podcast. News and stories from the sex industry. With Jesse and PJ Sage. Welcome back to another episode of the Peep Show Podcast. This week we talked to Xeon Universe about coming out as trans, having top surgery, body positivity, reimagining his porn career as Xenon, Polaroids as art, and more. Is there enough kink and flirtation in your life right now? Aorta Films creates lusty, opulent, glorious fuckery. Their films are full of beautifully shot, super hot queer porn featuring a large range of bodies, identities, kinks, and dynamics. This month, check out Aorta's newest release, Pink Lemonade, featuring Daemonum X and Scarlet. Good dollies should be seen and not heard. So why does Scarlet go looking for trouble during a service session with Daddy Daemonum X? One misdeed calls for a spanking, and a second warrants reprogramming. Could this have been what Scarlet wanted all along? $9 a month on Patreon gets you full access to Aorta's library of 60-plus short and feature films, with a new film released on the first of each month. Or back them at the $17 a month level and get a download of that month's film delivered straight to your inbox. Check them out at AortaFilms.com. Hey, I'm Adrian, one of the hosts of After Adult Podcast. My porn name should be Mozart Fremont, but you probably know me better by my actual porn name, Siri. I'm Rachel, but my porn name would be Woody 16th Avenue. (laughs) After Adult is a podcast about life and porn. I don't actually watch porn. I don't really watch that much porn either. I probably watch more than you, but I mean, most of the time it kind of would feel like going to work on my day off. You 100% watch more than me because I don't watch porn. (laughs) Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for After Adult. Or visit AfterAdult.com and follow us on Instagram at AfterAdult. We're here today with Xenon Universe, who is an indigenous, non-binary, trans male porn performer, interdisciplinary artist, model, and poet. He's passionate about queer sex liberation, body positivity, trans for trans, and decolonizing porn. He also loves uh, taking Polaroids and turning them into triple X zines. So welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) Yeah, we're really excited to talk to you. And you are... A new, a new you, new name. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what's been going on with you. Wow. Well, it all kind of evolved really quickly. I was mostly focused on, on taking my hiatus and focusing on my transition. Mm -hmm. Um, Last year was a difficult year. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Granted, with everything else going on, and then like transitioning and in, in isolation. It's been a blessing, but it's also like, oh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> we should say for, you know, folks who are listening who who don't know, do you want to tell them about this, what kind of transition you've been undergoing? Well, I'm trans male, 
so I everything about my transition has been like just reflecting of my own gender and like how far I've come in this um because you know in the industry I've only been coming out like little bits at a time Mm -hmm. I'm not really talking too much about it um because I was afraid yeah it was really daunting to have to make such a huge change Mm -hmm. um yeah, and so, in such a public, you know, as a public person, too, it adds a whole nother layer of things. Exactly. Like, I was, all my experience was, like, living as a woman, performing as a woman, and um, overcompensating and when in performance of femininity and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was, all of these changes have been really, really huge, and I needed a lot of time to myself to consolidate all those feelings and deal with all the changes not really under the scrutinous eye of everyone on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> so last year, um, I my biggest thing was my top surgery. So I had top surgery in November, um, where my breasts were removed and how what was that like? Uh, <laughs> I was anxious up to the morning of my surgery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That kind of fear, like, didn't really go away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew I was in good hands. I had an amazing surgeon and a really amazing medical team. So everything went off without a hitch. Like, there were some bumps in the road um, with all the testing and preparations that I had to do before surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, there were things, like, they found something in my chest I had to do mammograms. Um, yeah. I had to have my blood checked so many times. There was uh, a cardiologist layer onto that. I had to see a cardiologist and like deal with some issues like that. Oh, wow. Um, so every step of the way, I was kind of worried, is this going to really happen or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I had so much support behind me. So many people donated and like helped me to get my surgery and everything. But then I was worried, what if my body's going to prevent me from having surgery? Right. Yeah. So like, what do you do then? It, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so grateful that it all came together at the last minute and I was able to have my surgery. I'm healing well. Um, I haven't had any problems that I could report. Um, That's great. I feel amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it must be such a huge change for you. It is a huge change um, because, you know, I lost my flat chest at a young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to get used to it because it's not really much you can do with it, um, especially at my size. I had like really huge breasts before. Right. Um, that were always huge since I was like a young teenager. Right. So... <laughs> I had been dealing with um, the societal impact of that mm-hmm. and what that means, um, mm-hmm. the way people see you, and then having to deal with the physical repercussions of that um, because they were so disproportionately huge in comparison to the rest of my body. So I had chronic back pain, which I will still have forever. You think so? That You don't think that that will fix that do you think there's just too much damage um it's been 15 years (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a long Um, time yeah with with not a lot of really help with that because for a long time in my 20s I was very depressed and basically on autopilot Mm -hmm. um 
before I was able to kind of come out of that and come out. And then I started to, you know, care about my body more and care about everything more. Really. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there will always be that, you know, it's degenerative. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I won't suffer any more damage. Like it won't go any further. But I also have, I'm going to have like problems with my back. And I still have costochondritis flare ups from time to time. Um, that's an inflammation of my ribs, which was oh. caused from like my huge breasts. Yeah. Um, pulling, mm. pushing. It's just for my body, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. So this surgery was not only like important for my gender, but it was like really vital for my physical health. Yeah, it must be such a huge like change, though. You probably had to change like all of your clothes and everything. Honestly, the more that I wear my clothes now, the more that I realize that my clothes were never meant for tits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, across the board, like men's clothes, women's clothes, like the fashion industry is not here for boobs. <laughs> That's really interesting. And I knew that because every time I would get dressed, I'm like, you know, if I just didn't have tits, this would be A+. plus. <laughs> This outfit would be so great. You know, I feel that way about my ass because I like have disproportionately like big ass and I can't even wear pants. Like I've given up on pants. Every I have like one pair of stretchy jeans that like kind of I was just thinking I saw you wear pants the other day, which wasn't to contradict you, but just it occurred to me like, wow, you're wearing pants. It's been a really long time since you've worn pants. Yeah. I I happen to like dresses, but it's not even really about that. It's more about the fact that like trying to pull pants up over like my butt and hips is just like such a chore that it's not even worth it. So I like feel you in in, um, you know, I mean, it's it's not an issue of like gender identity for me, but it is an issue of like there's a whole bunch of clothes that are just like completely impossible for me to wear. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's how I felt before, because when I was young, and you know, when you're that small, you can do anything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when I started going through puberty and developing, I realized, oh, I can't really wear these things anymore because of how my chest is. Yeah. There's a difference between like wearing a halter top at seven and wearing a halter top at 13. And it just doesn't look good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can do those things now again. (laughs) Yeah, that must feel really good. It feels amazing to really just be able to wear anything. And now I can see other parts of my body also. Like, I knew I had hips, but now I can really see them. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fine. Sometimes I might get a flicker of dysphoria. Like, what's going on there? But then I'm like, it's fine. Who cares? Like, it's... (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's good it's just really prominent now that I actually have one shape and not like three different shapes going on (laughs) yeah yeah I recently wrote an article for Stoya's magazine Zero Spaces and I interviewed you in it and it took so long to come out that by the time (laughs) by the time it came out you were in a totally different place which is interesting and I uh, in relation to what we're talking about so when I interviewed you over the summer for the piece the pieces on empowerment and um, whether sex work is empowering One of the conversations that we had was about the fact that at the beginning um, of your career, you kind of felt like you were playing 
drag almost that you were like performing this femininity and but as you got further and further in your transition you just didn't want to to do that anymore and um and at the time you were like I just I want out of this and now it seems like um something's changed in you and you want to kind of rebuild your career as you are now so do you want to talk a little bit about like what that what that transition was like? Yeah, of course. Um, at that time, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Because like I said, a, a lot of things with my transition were like up in the air. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some other things going on. Like I was microdosing hormones and stuff for mm. a period of time. And I just needed that time for introspection. Yeah. Um, to really consider what it would mean for me to be back in the industry. And at that moment, I really couldn't see it. Um, but the more that I got through with my transition, you know, got my name changed, got like started to check all the boxes and like mm-hmm. feel more like myself, it became it pretty much became clear like after I had surgery um, that I wanted to continue in some capacity. And I don't know, I just quickly like the the first week of my recovery, like I picked my name mm-hmm. and I was like, OK, I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> I'm gonna come back like I just felt I just felt like I wasn't finished yeah um the way that I previously thought because I was just so focused on transitioning and I, I really hadn't had that time because I would always put my work first mm-hmm. um but this time I realized I couldn't do that yeah um, I had to put myself first before I could like really figure this whole thing out mm-hmm. so once I was able to do that it was so crystal clear um, I knew that I wanted to come back and, you know, just try again, just start over. Yeah, I love that. Like, <laughs> I, um, it's so, so interesting because I think like what, what I feel from what you're saying is that there's like this, there's something about the kind of work that we do that even though we create like personas to do the work, it's also so like deeply personal. And if we're disconnected from ourselves, like it's actually really hard to, to do it. Exactly. Um, that's how I feel about a lot of my early years in my career um, doing porn. Um, a lot of it really doesn't apply anymore because mm-hmm. of how deeply disconnected I was with myself and mm-hmm. what I was trying to achieve through my work at that time was really just to be this person that I was trying to be. And I was trying to use my work to like elevate that person as much as possible um but now that I'm being myself um that's really changed the flow of how I work even before I was I made these changes and like re-emerge now still like a lot of my work previously like still stands um, yeah. since I came out because I did make different choices and like started to give myself to my work in a different way mm-hmm. so I think that lingered on and also like drove me to this point where I'm like, I want to continue working. Yeah. Do you feel like you're glad that there's like this this archive of your of your past work because you can like kind of reflect on your journey that way? Or do you feel like you wish that you could have just like started now? Like what are your feelings about your past work? Like I said, um, the stuff in my very early years, I have put that stuff to rest. Mm-hmm. Me personally um and I think that was good as a stepping stone to mm-hmm. get to the point where I did come out and started to give myself 
authentically to my films. Um, and from there on, I think it's it's really great. Um, yeah. I had such amazing filming experiences with a lot of people that I'm still close friends with today. And I think it speaks for itself. Like, it's just a good, I think, snapshot of my journey. Yeah. Um, because I can see the joy <laughs> in those films with those people. Oh, yeah. And I don't ever, like, I don't ever want to discredit that. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I really achieved something important with every single one of those my little babies (laughs) (laughs) yeah as somebody who's like uh followed your career I can see that too and there's not like uh, this is uh now I'm gonna be embarrassed because I'm gonna like fan a little bit over you but um (laughs) there's not a ton of people in the industry that I have very strong feelings like I love their aesthetic and wish I could work with them and you are like definitely one of those people because I feel like there's like a very like well first of all like I like your aesthetic and the way that you create content but I also think that there's like a very um sensual beauty to the work that you do (laughs) (laughs) um that is yeah I I also see that joy I guess is what I am saying I'm so glad because that's my main thing I try to make really comfortable affirming experiences for my scene partners is something that we connect over Mm -hmm. and something that we can build on something that's genuine and authentic and just true to that person and me um that's all I try to do and I realize that there is no reason for me to continue to try to be somebody that I'm not yeah like even if it's difficult for people to accept or they don't like it or they don't support me anymore like I I had to let those things go yeah Mm -hmm. um I think that was another step in really kind of figuring out because I'm like what if I'm completely disowned by my audience and Mm. other people in the industry and like what if I can't fit in like it was difficult for me to fit in before even as I'm living as a cis woman um (laughs) Mm-hmm. Now that I'm a trans guy, like, where do I fit? And I'm also not a binary trans right. person either. So that's another layer of um, complexity. Mm-hmm. But I realized that, you know, some people like complexity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and I was at gonna... the end of the day, it's not that complex, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people like complexity, I think. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. And but... actually, sorry, go ahead, PJ. Please. Oh. Oh, I was just, I was going to ask how, how people have responded now that you've um, come out as Xenon. The response has been amazing. Um, obviously, my friends and, you know, colleagues have been so supportive of me. Um, a lot of my audience and like longtime supporters, people have been my clients, even from like coming days, um, still stick with me i assume some people have fallen out of the cracks if they have they haven't said anything to me so yeah. i feel grateful that it hasn't been like hate mail or <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anybody being like angry that i'm trans um luckily that's good um there have been a few you know why did you you know get rid of your tits or whatever i'm just like oh, jesus christ Mm. Uh, yeah (laughs) sometimes i have to be like i have to deal with the wino boobs or whatever um now and again but that's just i can just block and move on 
Yeah, you know it's funny that um I was what I was scrolling Twitter the other day and um Siri Dahl, who's a you know friend of the show and we've had her on before, got a reduction surgery and mm. kind of between the time that she left porn and then came back and many of her fans were like big boob fans and she was talking about the fact that she gets like a ton of messages like that from people who are like why would you do that to yourself (laughs) (laughs) why did you make your boobs smaller and she's like because i wanted to it's my body like what's your problem and exactly (laughs) i think that's yeah i think that that's interesting that both of you guys have had you know some people who've been questioning like choices about what you do with your body i have implants and i've actually had a similar like not the same experience but from the other direction of you know guys my clients who were with me beforehand who i don't know had all kinds of like complicated feelings about it that i had to like talk them through and i didn't expect that yeah (laughs) um yeah (laughs) Who were like, oh, I really like it, except now I feel like you did that for blah, blah, blah. I don't know. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I didn't do this. I did this because I wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's hard for some people to believe that, like, we interact with our bodies ourselves and not just as an object for other people. Yeah, I think think so. I've had the experience of, I mean, I have to fully disclose, in my sex working career, I've never really made my whole thing around my tits. They just were there. Yeah. So people just fixated on that. But I was never like, you know, the big titted goddess or whatever, you know, people wanted me to be. I never branded myself like that. But it was nice when people would come to me and say, wow, you made me feel so much better about my body. Mm-hmm. I don't really see chest like that. And then mm-hmm. even when I transition, they're like, wow, I I don't really see like trans guys, you know, being so comfortable with their body like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's really amazing. And it, it's making me feel better about my body. Um, I wanted to be clear that I don't think trans men need top surgery. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not at all. Like I'm not trying to adhere to any standards or anything right. like that. For me, it's just like I remember how my body used to be, and I yearned for that for a long time. Like I never wanted this change to happen. It was something I had no say over. Right. Um. So this is re- this is me really like reclaiming my body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I I want people to feel good regardless of gender. If they have a big chest, that they don't have to do anything with it. Right. So I guess I was worried about coming off like that, like I'm anti-boobs or something. (laughs) (laughs) Just for me, just for my body. Right. And I think that's actually interesting and kind of ties back to what I was saying, that sometimes like I think that people assume that the choices that we make about our own bodies are like broader statements about about them or about how we feel like bodies should be when actually it's like, I found it interesting that I had to explain to a lot of clients that, like, this wasn't about their desires. (laughs) This isn't about you. (laughs) I mean, I often have to explain to clients that, you know, everything I post is not about them. (laughs) But, you know, I um, (laughs) am. But that's, you know, kind of part of the job. But when we talk about bodies and we talk about body politics, I think that, like, um, 
I I understand why you would feel like the need to like make a statement that or, you know, in some way say that, you know, you deciding to have top surgery isn't a statement about what you think trans men should be or look like. I think that's true. Um, I was definitely worried about seeming not as body positivity, um, not as, not as body positive as I mm-hmm. claim to be. Um, but I want people to know that this is an extension of body positivity. For yeah. Me. Mm-hmm. Um, because I need this. Like, it, not everybody needs it, but I definitely need it. And yeah. I have a clarity and a comfort in my body that I haven't felt in a really, really long time. Mm. And I mean, if I could have stopped it from happening, I totally would. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But this is not a requirement. Like you don't need to do this to be trans. Like you don't need to do this to feel complete in your body. It's really an individual choice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think people think that surgeries can be contradictory of body positivity, but that's not really the case. Yeah, I don't I don't think so at all. But I very much like had the same sort of fears about I had the same sort of fears about getting implants that like people would think I wasn't, um, you know, that I was like bowing to beauty standards or something. And I didn't feel that way at all. (laughs) I felt I felt like there was a vision that I had of my body of like and how I wanted to like experience my body. And after I got my surgery, I was like, you know what? I no longer have this fear because it became like so clear to me that it was just something that made me feel more like myself. You know? And that exactly. is body positivity. Right. Feeling so good in your body. And there's so many things you can do with that. Right. Um, I know that implants, that's usually more praised, um, at least in my Mm-hmm. Um, experience as a sex worker like when yeah. I was coming up there were a lot of models who were you know raising money for um, yeah. breast augmentation right and stuff like that and those things are usually really praised and like uplifted like yeah you know do your thing but then when I would come and say oh god I wanted to chop my tits off like <laughs> it's the end of the world yeah <laughs> And it yeah. was a real that's why it was like a real fair for the longest time because people are like, Oh my god, like why would you do that? Like would are you gonna keep your nipples? You should keep your nipples. I'm like, the surgeon is gonna do what is medically possible for my body. Yeah. And I had to get used to that too. Like I do miss my nipples the way that they were. Like mm-hmm. I wish that I could have I could have kept more of them, but you know, unfortunately, in these surgeries, like it's a lot of give and take. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. If you want this, you have to sacrifice certain things. Yeah. So I sacrificed my nipples, but I have a small portion of them. I was gonna say you kept nipples. I mean, you have nipples. You just mean that they're like much smaller than they, they were. Are much smaller. Yeah. Um, and have like one percent of the sensitivity. <laughs> Oh that no! Yeah, <laughs> I miss that feeling. Like, because my nipples were always hard. Just, really? just letting you guys know, <laughs> always. And people complimented them. Some, I mean, that's another reason I'm so glad I have so many pictures and videos of them 
in their glory. It's <laughs> it's history. <laughs> well, you're not that long out of your surgery. It's only been a couple months. I wonder if some of your sensitivity will come back. Um, they were pretty much there um very early on. Like as soon as they were attaching, I would feel like tingles or like prickling. Mm-hmm. Um, usually when like I get goosebumps or like a reaction, like it will happen immediately. Yeah. Um, sometimes I can feel that. I can feel like little bits and pieces of it. Sometimes on one side, some sometimes only on the other side. Um, so I don't know if that will continue to develop, but mostly I don't feel too much. Mm-hmm. But it's okay. Because mm-hmm. they're attached and they're alive and they're healthy. Mm-hmm. And I was worried about losing them. Um, yeah. Because I'm just anxious. <laughs> <laughs> it's tr- it's weird. Um, I never had um skin grafts or anything before. So I didn't really know like what to expect. That was a really like tricky part of my recovery. Just like always wondering, are my nipples okay? Are they okay? <laughs> Did you have to have skin grafts? Um, okay. So for me, there was, they, they did some like extra liposuction at the sides because of like um, how big my breasts were and just the mm-hmm. natural progression of gravity mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and everything else. So like my the sides of my chest, like not not a lot of men would have that if they um don't have boobs like mine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but I have an incision going from there all the way they're connected in the middle. So I have one big scar coming all the way across. Right. Mm-hmm. Um so all of that is gone and they stitched me up and then they they make they fashion like new little nipples out of your old ones. Right. And then graft them onto your skin where they should be so that's yeah so they're not like your original nipples no they make a new nipple right um, with a little piece of the sensor and like some of my areola Mm -hmm. um and yeah so that was that and they cracked and peeled and did some crazy stuff Was the recovery harder or about the same as what you expected, like in terms of pain? And what was the recovery like for you? I mean, it was much better than I expected. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was really, ex- I had no idea what to expect and I've had major surgery. Um, I just never been through something like this before. Never mm-hmm. been under anesthesia, like none of that. So. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this entire thing was new. The first couple of days, I guess you could say, were like, I was the most down because I was still like coming out of anesthesia. Yeah. You know, there's nausea, like going through all of that. Um, having drains in. For the mm. first- uh, yeah. Was <laughs> like, I knew, I knew about that because I'd been researching like breast reductions and stuff since I was a teenager. So like, I, kn- <laughs> yeah. I knew bits and pieces of, the potential of things to come from surgery, but it was like surreal to go through it and to really feel like, wow, they're really gone. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't see my chest at all for the first week. I was bandaged incredibly tightly. Mm-hmm. So it was just like hard to move. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found it- after my surgery, it was hard to sit up. I needed PJ to like push my back to like sit me up. <laughs> I was sitting up all the time because you, <laughs> I'm actually only now getting like reacquainted with like sleeping on my side, which is how I'm used to sleeping. So I've mm-hmm. been sleeping for the past two months, like basically upright. 
Yeah. Did you get one of those like husband pillows? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I did. Because um, I knew I would need it. Yeah. Um, I had everything that I needed. And I had a friend who was with me. I had to have somebody with me. So I had a really good friend who was with me taking care of me, which was also nice because mm-hmm. there were crying episodes <laughs> and a lot of emotions. Yeah. I'm sure it's a really intense thing. It's it a was. lot for your body to go through, you know? It was. Um, my brain is still kind of trying to recollect those few hours that I lost. Mm-hmm. It was like I'd never been under anesthesia. So it was like, you know, you know what they did, but what did they really do? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like what else happened? <laughs> my body can't recall anything. So it's just like weird. There's yeah. so many things coming out of anesthesia. I was like crying. I did that too. Not with this surgery, but with a different surgery I had. <laughs> and and then with this one, my surgeon was like asking me at a follow-up appointment about like something about my writing. And I was like, mm-hmm. how did she know that? And she's like, oh, you were talking about it when you came out of surgery. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. What what did I tell you? <laughs> what else do you know? Yeah. And I was like, what is wrong with me that I come out of like general anesthesia and I'm talking about work? <laughs> Sounds par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I got asked a lot of questions too. I know they do that to like get your brain moving and yeah. like kind of see where you're at. Um it was hard because I'm like, I want to answer your questions, but my react- my reaction time is so slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was there were a lot of good moments like that. It's just I don't know. I just I'm happy. Like it's all part of the experience. Like some seeing so many people that I've known and don't know um go through <laughs> this because yeah. internet. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um having top surgery and like going through I mean, it's just, it's great to be trans because mm-hmm. you get to go through those little milestones sometimes and it's, it's just really amazing. Yeah. And there's like a community of people who can like relate with you um, about their similar experiences. Yeah. I had a friend who I FaceTime like up to the day before um, he had top surgery like years ago. <laughs> so okay. He was like really excited for me. Um, yeah. But it was nice to have, to have those connections of like, oh, there's someone else like me that's, like, also seeing my journey and, like, excited for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's nice to be able to pay that forward to someone else, and I feel like they would do that for me. And, like, I've been doing it for other people, too, who are now, yeah. like, I, like, you made me, you helped me um, come to the realization that this is a good thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I want this, too, and I'm just, like, I'm so happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us today. Jesse and I are dedicated to platforming sex worker voices and covering important political issues for those in the sex trades. But we can't do it without your help. If you believe in our mission, find us at patreon.com slash peepshowpodcast and show us some love. We're also seeking advertisers to help us grow. Thanks for helping us make Peep Show happen. I was so happy to see like how many people supported your your fundraiser and just like your um 
I don't know, you had like a really strong outpouring from the community of support, like monetary support and like emotional support. Yeah, I was so grateful. I'm just, I'm still blown away by it. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, because I was worried that I wouldn't be so accepted with this change. Like I had had experiences before where I was being made to feel like I was attracted to my gender or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was worried about making that shift and having that support really helps me get to this point. Yeah. Like more than anything, really. Like Mm -hmm. seeing how much people want me to have a happy, authentic, healthy life. Yeah. I think that's also like a testament to you, though. Like there is a reason that people want to like support you, (laughs) see you happy. And you you should also like take some credit for that. It's so hard. because (laughs) It's so hard to know that. Because a lot of times I don't I feel like I don't actually know if I'm making an impact. Sometimes it's like I think being shadow banned on the Internet is is the most difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, as a sex worker, because you don't really know who's actually seeing your stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Who appreciates? You know, I'm always surprised when I meet people, or like people stop me, or like at a convention or what. Not in like general walking down the street. <laughs> thank God. Uh, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my God, you're la la la," and then they start talking to me, and I'm like, "Oh my God, what?" <laughs> that's so nice i I love you what (laughs) it's so crazy because most of the time you know my social media is like so dead i don't really know who's thinking what about me so it's just nice to know that people do care they do see me Mm -hmm. um they see me out here and they just want to support and yeah i'm just grateful because i wouldn't be anything without this community and like without sex work in the adult industry. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something that's like hard about the sort of industry we're in and the work that we do is that it it can feel so isolating. And then you realize that there are actually other people out there in those moments. I think we have to like um, hold on to. Yeah, I agree with you. It does feel isolating. And I felt like that for a really long time um, mm-hmm. in my career. But when I started to get out there, like actually out there in the world and meet other sex workers and um, have those real life experiences with other people and like right. creating content, like building a professional relationship, building friendships. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredible. I, I agree with you. I think that there's something very different about getting out there and like actually seeing people in real life and recognizing um like what it's like to be a part of a community and the fact that we all like work from home and that uh, and that we're all like shadow banned yes. <laughs> it makes it makes it hard to see that but it but it's it's real though and it exists and it's good to be reminded of it yeah it is um and i've been like taking my time to um really reach out to people and like let them know that i'm mm-hmm. i'm seeing what's going on and like i'm seeing them like yeah. I care about them because we're just we just take hit after hit from the industry and <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's yeah. like endless. Yeah. I'm like aren't aren't you tired? Like <laughs> <laughs> Yes. 
<laughs> this this war is, is very tiring. I don't I don't understand um why people like that so much. But I know. We're all exhausted and we're all just trying to make a living and I know. Um, and the fact that the New York Times has decided that they're gonna run like a shit piece every week about us, like it's Yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> of people, yeah, please. People keep sending them to me like, oh, your community like should know about this. And I'm like, everybody's reading these fucking articles and they're so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't stop, stop. We got <laughs> it. Like the one free speech um re you know, this person who's apparently in charge. Um <laughs> I won't even say the name. <laughs> um, you know, was banned and everything, and I'm just like, Twitter has me muted. Yeah. I'm I'm muted by Twitter. <laughs> yeah. My free speech is suppressed. <laughs> right. That's and what it has that been really for means. so long. And the fact that people are like, now after this, after this person who's supposedly in charge got kicked off, like, oh my gosh, this could happen to everyone. And I'm like, what? It's already been happening. It, yes, it has been happening. <laughs> <laughs> they live in some alternate universe where free where, where, where speech is free. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I posted a photo of my chest on Instagram, um, my account was disabled for Jeez. a period oh, wow. of time. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. I was just like, you know, I want. I was having an article coming out um, that I was featured in, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to use my old name because I knew I was going to be changing it in the new year and everything. Yeah. Um. So I kind of quickly got myself together and was like. Here's my int- my reintroduction really fast um, while I'm still healing. Um, right. And then my account was disabled within 20 minutes. Oh, <laughs> oh my, my gosh. <laughs> and they made me run around and do so many things to verify my identity. Oh, and the yeah. next day I got my account back. But at the same time, it was like, really? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's social media. <laughs> What sort of things are you excited about right now? I'm excited to film again at some mm-hmm. point. Um, I think I might be doing that this month. You know, there's so many safety restrictions now. Yeah. Like so many other things to worry about. If right. just going to a convention and getting a flu wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. We all know about it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Through those things, you know, barring all all those things i'm really excited to get back to work i'm excited Mm -hmm. to get back to filming i am so excited to get back to taking polaroids tell us about your polaroids (laughs) (laughs) so it's something i always did um ever since like early in my career i would just like you know take little things here and there like send them to people people like to buy them um but then i started to realize this is my art form like, mm. aside from being on film. So it's kind of the other thing that would go hand in hand when I'm on a shoot. Like, I'm shooting and then, like, I'll shoot Polaroids, like, in between or, be, like, before and after. I do um, the same thing. I love Polaroids. I take uh, my Polaroid camera everywhere. <laughs> I, I love them so much. Sometimes I do forget, especially if I'm, like, filming a video. It's very easy to forget um, the Polaroids. But I try to... Um, make them a priority and I want to make them a very very serious priority this year because I have so many 
packs of film that I bought that I just accumulated in quarantine mm-hmm. um, that I haven't used that I want to use. Um, I just love that it's a one-off thing. Mm. Like every shot is completely different. I can make every shot whatever I want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that it's temperamental and challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, it gives me a lot of work to like figure out, you know, how the camera works, like what's the lighting situation, you know, the settings on the camera, like how I fit everything into the viewfinder. Like I just love creating that perfect shot. And you it's sound not- very much like PJ right now. <laughs> <laughs> like he has said the exact same thing. <laughs> I just love it. And, you know, growing up, you know, there were Polaroids, you know, family photos and things from like the 60s, um, photos of my grandparents and like my mom and stuff. And I, I just always love those things. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad I get to do it now. And I turn them into like little zines. I haven't done one in a long time because of all this transitioning and everything I've been doing. Um, but I want to come back with like a fresh, new, like updated thing yeah with that mm-hmm. and I also want to make my Polaroids into um a multimedia uh kind of art series so I'm gonna do like paintings and like collage them onto oh, cool. the paintings with some other oh, things oh that's neat yeah so I'm so excited to do that and yeah. kind of reintroduce like new little parts of myself to the industry yeah that's really cool yeah I like this I also like this idea of like a moment in time that you capture that you can't get and you know you can't recreate exactly I love that they're they're so irreplaceable I mean you can take so many of them but (laughs) they'll never all look the same right right I mean even just the way they come out of the camera like affects how they ultimately turn out Exactly, because you can use like two packs of the same film and they will still look different. You'll know, oh, that was that pack of film and this is the other pack of film, even if it's the same one. They're also kind of expensive. And I think that there's something about that that like gets wrapped up in the art, too, because it's not like a digital picture where you can take like 500 and pick the best one. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I love about it. It makes me think about what I'm doing. Because yeah, usually if I'm if on my iPhone, I'm like, oh, I could take 200 shots and you can just... <laughs> right, you just get the best one or whatever. You yeah. just go through it afterwards. Yeah. yeah. And I, I mean, personally, I started doing photography long enough ago that like film was my only option. So I right. learned, I learned on film and I learned like developing stuff in a dark room. And so it is kind of fun to to go back to that. I mean, it's just, you know, like Jesse said, it, it's just a very different approach. Like um, you really, really do take your time and you make every shot count in a way that you just don't with, um, with digital. And the other thing is you just kind of have to accept what comes out. Like there's a degree of like Zen or something that you have to have with film because you're just like, well, this is, this is what I have. You know, there's only so much you can do with it. It's, you know, but digital, there, you know, there's so much more options in terms of like Photoshopping and face tuning and all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I do put myself into that mental space of thinking of my grandfather taking Polaroids of my grandmother. You know, oh, at that that's time, neat. yeah, that's that's all he had to capture my grandmother, like on that day in that moment. Yeah. So I always try to think of, well, this is this is it. So mm-hmm. I have to make it what it is, and I kind of have a habit, like before I'll start, where I'm like, okay, we have eight shots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So just keep that in mind. We're going to do this eight times. So everything has to be just right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love that. I love that it's it's nostalgic. It's luxurious somehow, like in a way, because it is expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it was just like a common household thing at one time. Now it's like really expensive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially in relation to having access to digital like technology i think that when you put those two things against each other it, it it's even like more expensive yeah yeah but but the film is itself is far more expensive than it used to be mm-hmm. because yeah. it was just like mass produced in much much higher quantities before mm-hmm. but with what you can create i think it's totally worth it i just love it i mean you're gonna you're gonna spend money either way like on your crafts Right. Um, it's just one way to craft. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Zion, is there anything else you want to talk about before we sign off? Well, I want to work with you at some point. So. <laughs> <laughs> I want that so much. I think Hopefully could... <laughs> this COVID disaster will end soon. I want to work with both of you at the same time. Like, that's what I want to do. I think that would be amazing. I think we could create really beautiful things. Yeah, I'm sure I we can make that, that happen. Would be amazing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't, like I said, I don't always get a chance to like work with other people who are parents. And mm-hmm. I think that just adds another layer of, I see you. Yeah. 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 There's definitely that connection. I don't know if I've ever shot anything with another parent. I'm pretty sure I have. I mean, except for PJ. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think that you're right because I've even experienced that in like, my personal life too that like partners who know what that's like like to like as a parent you kind of live your life like for another person so to kind of like reclaim like pleasure for yourself is actually like a more deliberate experience I think if you're a parent so (laughs) um so there's something about about that that I I agree if you can like share that with another person um that could be really neat yeah, and I've had the experience of feeling like, I don't know, like it always feels different when the person I'm working with is a parent, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like they they understand intimacy in a different way. Yeah. Because um, mm-hmm. they've had that experience of like bringing a life into the world and now they're raising that child and, you know, mm-hmm. still continuing to like be a sexual person. Right. Yeah. as a parent and stuff like that like there's just a different vibe that's there that's really interesting and like fun to explore I don't know I think that being a parent is like you you learn to relate to another human being in a different in a different way yes <laughs> um yeah that's definitely the case yeah or at least for most people yeah because you live you live like for the other in a way that you you don't if you're not 
I mean, people have romantic relationships, but it is a different level of intimacy. It's a different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to the original point, I really want to work with you. (laughs) (laughs) And I think we need to make that happen as soon as there's like vaccines, which should be soon. (laughs) I'm crossing my fingers. (laughs) I'm really hoping. Um, (laughs) It's so necessary right now. I know. This has just been going on and on and on way longer. I remember last March thinking that this would be like under control by summer. Wow. <laughs> I didn't have that much faith in the government. <laughs> okay. I mean, that's fair. but <laughs> Also science. Um... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other countries have managed to like get it under control, but. Well, <laughs> i don't think i should start like with the china versus america that would be like shots fired (laughs) my asian friends would be like yeah but everybody else would be like no i don't know i was talking to somebody the other day who lives in a state in australia who they haven't had a positive case in eight months wow i know it's like a different alternate universe they live in down there I mean, truly, I mean, considering that just like one piece of the land has people on it, the rest of it is like. (laughs) There's a lot of space. (laughs) Because you can't live out there, you'll die. No. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Although, shout out to the indigenous people of Australia. You can put that in there. (laughs) Yeah, so, but yes, soon. You know, some someday we it will be safe again, and I'll leave my house, and I can make something pretty with you, and yes. I will love that. <laughs> the three of us. Yeah, I think it would be really nice. I would love that. We'll um, we'll have to come visit you and it's make that so happen. bad here. <laughs> <laughs> people don't come people don't vote right here. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I do. I do miss that. I do want to travel and like see people and work again. Yeah, I think the last time you were close enough to me that we could have worked it out. PJ was actually going to Australia. <laughs> Speaking of weird coincidences, wow, that's true. I remember big that. Circle, yeah, <laughs> my one and only visit to Australia. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that you was were pre-COVID. You yeah. were leaving yes. to go to Australia, and then everything went to shit after that because you came back and yeah. got a cancer diagnosis, and then COVID oh happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, we're rebuilding. We're yeah. going to rebuild everything. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, at this point, I am. Um, the best version of myself that I can be. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's no better time, you know, to get back to it and like work with people that I've known for a long time for the mm-hmm. first time, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I well, think this year's going to be the year. We're going to, I think we'll have <laughs> plenty of 2021 where we'll be able to go to events and yeah. travel and stuff. Hopefully, yeah. like the second half of the year or something. Yeah. We'll yeah. cross our fingers. Well, it was so nice to talk to you. I love chatting with you every time. It's it always too. a pleasure. And we could chat again, but like not on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I should do that. <laughs> but thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Where can people find your um, work? You can find me on many vids. I am deanonuniverse.manyvids.com. I am on Twitter at deanonuniverse and Instagram. 
meh Xenon Opal universe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Patreon rebuilding things, rebuilding under construction. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm really happy for you. I'm really happy for that you got to have the surgery you wanted to have and that you're feeling like the best version of yourself. I think that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Nice to hear your voice again. Oh, it's so nice (laughs) to hear both of you. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Peep Show Podcast. I'm PJ Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at Peach Sage. And I'm Jesse Sage, and you can find me on Twitter at SapioTextual or at JesseSage.com. We would like to remind you that we have a Patreon account and would appreciate your support. Please visit Patreon.com slash PeepShowPodcast. Our music is courtesy of Joe Kennedy. The show was produced by Jesse and PJ Sage. Signing off. Have a great week.